Hello and welcome to the fourth bonus episode of the Cinescope podcast. Following up on his appearance in episode 28, where we talked about Phil Lord and Christopher Miller's The Lego Movie, is Dave Trumbor, and today we are talking about the spin-off film featuring one of our favorite characters, The Lego Batman Movie. How are you doing tonight, Dave? Uh, doing just fine. Thanks for having me back. It's been a pleasure. Uh, it, it's only been about a day for us, and uh, this is sort of a surprise <laughs> episode for our listeners because uh, the movie hasn't come out yet, but we've both seen it. You got to see it through your work, I'm assuming, through Collider, right? Yeah, it was through a critic screening just this past uh, this past weekend. Yeah. Great, great. Um, how about you reintroduce yourself real quick, and then I'll talk about how I was able to see the movie Sure. So like Chad mentioned, my name is Dave Trumbor. I'm an associate editor for Collider.com, and I write news and reviews for TV shows and movies there with a special focus on animation. I also contribute to Nerdist Science Channel, and I'm also a co-host for the Saturday Morning Cartoons podcast, where we revisit, review, and ridicule some of the world's weirdest animated series. So you can you can kind of say that I'm an animation junkie, which is uh, one of the reasons that I was super excited to come on to Cinescope and talk with Chad about two fantastic animated movies. Yes, and uh, I mentioned in the Lego Movie episode that I had started listening to your Ed, Ed, and Eddie episode, because that's one of the cartoons from my childhood that I really enjoyed. And I finished listening to that today and had a good time, and now I'm wanting to pull it up on Netflix and watch through it again. <laughs> nice. I hope we were kind to it. Sometimes we're a little aggressive with our revisiting of old cartoons, so I hope we were kind to that one. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an adult show. Not not Ed and Eddie, your show. That that Yeah, right. Yeah, but it's it's fun. It, I had a good time just listening to you guys talk about it in any capacity because you don't hear a lot of people talking about old shows like that. Exactly. That's why we're there. Yep. So for me, um, getting back to Lego Batman movie, I had applied for a sweepstakes on uh, redcarpetcrash.com, I think, which is another oh, cool. entertainment website, and I've written for them a couple of times, and... I didn't expect anything from it. I just put my name in, clicked a couple buttons and forgot about it. And then Sunday night, I got an email and said, hey, you've won. You get to go see this movie tomorrow night. Nice. And that threw a wrench in our schedule just a little bit because we had been planning on recording our Lego movie episode that night. And then we were going to do our Lego Batman episode the next Sunday. So way in the future from even now. And uh, we shifted things around a little bit. And now it's Tuesday night. And we've both seen the movie and I'm ready to talk about it. Yeah, I think it worked out pretty well, not only for you, because that's awesome that you got to go, um, you got to win that screening, but it's, I think it worked out well for both of us because it's still very fresh in our minds. So we may not have had time for a second screening of it, but it's still about as fresh as you can get uh, to talk about a movie that technically hasn't even released yet. Right. And it, it was my first screening to go to in a little while. I went to a couple last summer, maybe I saw the BFG early and, uh, I don't remember what else. And then a few years ago, I went to several, uh, but this was my first one in a while. And I got there really early to make sure I got a good seat because it was right. first come first serve. And so I sat and watched the Lego movie on my iPad in line, was writing my notes for the Lego movie episode. And <laughs> uh, it, it was a, it was a good time. Uh, yeah. It's a nice double feature. Definitely. So let's go ahead and get into it. We're going to uh, talk about the Lego Batman movie. And I will tell everybody that we're going to start with a spoiler free section. It'll be short, but I'll let you know before we talk about any spoilers whatsoever. So you can you're safe for now. <laughs> so this movie released or is releasing February 10th of 2017 and was directed by Chris McKay. This is his feature film directorial debut, but he did direct 42 episodes of Robot Chicken as well as the Robot Chicken Star Wars Episode 2. And he was the animation co-director for the Lego movie. The script was written by Seth Graham Smith, 
Chris McKenna, Eric Summers, Jared Stern, and John Whittington. Uh, but the story is credited to Seth Graham Smith, so I'm assuming he did the bulk of the actual writing. Uh, the music was by Lauren Balf, who uh, works frequently with uh, Hans Zimmer. He did scores with Hans Zimmer with uh, Megamind, The Dilemma, Son of God, and AD, The Bible Continues. But on his own, he's also composed the scores for Penguins in Madagascar, Home, Terminator Genesis, and 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. So this movie stars Will Arnett returning in his role from the Lego movie as Lego Batman. And then we have Michael Sarah, Rosario Dawson, Ray Fiennes, Zach Galifianakis, Jenny Slate, Siri, or Susan Bennett, Channing Tatum, and Jonah Hill. Okay, so we're going to start with our initial thoughts. Spoiler free, like I said, Dave, was this a worthy follow-up to the Lego movie? I would say yes, especially for people who really enjoyed Will Arnett's Batman character in the Lego movie. It's it's kind of the same universe, if not necessarily the same settings that you'll see from the Lego movie. So it's not really a direct sequel, but if you enjoyed the energy, the comedy, the humor, and definitely the characters from Lego movie, then this is a, a fantastic movie to follow up with. And especially for you, you got to see kind of that double feature back to back. And for me, it was, you know, very close in proximity um, to seeing these two together. So I really feel like it's a good pairing. So how about you? Do you think it paired up well? I agree. Um, what I thought was especially great was this movie seemed to sort of continue some aspects of the character that we were introduced to in the Lego movie, but weren't necessarily fully explored. Um, right. More details on that later, but it, it definitely feels like a continuation for the character rather than just being a completely separate film. Uh, which I really enjoyed. I like that it sort of has its ties back and you can see the seeds for this movie in the previous one. And uh, like the Lego movie, I think that this is just as funny, if not more so. I'd have to see it again. But I, I was, again, finding myself laughing hysterically in the theater. Yeah, there were definitely like a ton of laughs to be found from adults, kids, everybody kind of all ages. Uh, it was a, it was a good it's a really good movie to watch in the theater. I know a lot of people these days they'll wait for it on DVD or Blu-ray. They'll check it out on a digital HD, or they'll just stream it when it shows up on Netflix. But this is one that it, it sounds like it shouldn't work that well on the big screen. But because there is so much going on at pretty much every point in time of this movie, or just things that are such like an epic scale, even I'm talking like the Batcave, is at such an epic scale that it really works well to see it on the big screen. So if you're on the fence about whether or not to check it out yourself or take the little ones uh, to the theater to check out Lego Batman movie, I would I would say go for it for this one. And I rarely do that. I rarely do that. Right. And what's great about this Batman movie in particular is it's a Batman movie that is almost 100% family friendly, yeah. as opposed to the past few Batman movies we've had. Yeah. So if you have kids who like Batman, but maybe you, you don't like the, the darker aspects of the Nolan trilogy or Batman v Superman, the, right. the violence and all that kind of stuff, it's almost entirely absent from this movie. You don't have to worry about it. It's just fun, but there's still plenty for you adults to love as well and for me to love. Yeah, that's a great point. The The flip side of it, like you just said, there's there's plenty of jokes that are going to sail over little kids' heads, but you're not going to have to feel uncomfortable about it. There's just a lot of it's a it's a well-balanced comedy. So uh, would we agree that Lego Batman as a character works as the star of his own movie? Because like, for example, the Minions, well, you have Despicable Me 1 and 2. I like both of them. But then we have the Minions movie. And uh, we, we saw the seeds of this in Despicable Me 2, where the Minions are just sort of taking over. And when we get the Minions movie, it doesn't entirely work on its own with them as with them as the star. So would you say that Batman is 
sort of minion-esque in that way or do you think he really deserves and works in his own movie no look he, he definitely deserves his own movie and to have the the title role and it's because it's batman and <laughs> you know i mean you have to give it to him anyway you can't really have like batman and friends even though that's conceivably what could happen in this movie um but he he is the central figure and they actually crafted a really nice story around him that explores the legacy the iconic nature of Batman, but also has a lot of fun with it too. So he works really well, but I do like the fact that they give him a cast of characters to play with so that you don't just exhaust, you know, Will Arnett's voice for one thing, but you don't just exhaust the the character by hyper-focusing on him all the time. So yes, he works as a standalone star of his own movie, but he's supported by a super colorful and zany cast of characters. I agree on all counts. And so with that, I think we're ready to move on to our spoiler section. All right. So uh, warning to everybody, if you haven't seen the movie yet, don't go past this point if you don't want to be spoiled. And I would say you should definitely go see the movie because we're going to spoil some pretty cool things. Yeah. So uh, that's your last warning. And let's go ahead and move on. So real quick, Dave, let's talk about our thoughts and expectations going in. We've talked about how much we really liked it. Well, what were what were you expecting from the movie? Were you expecting to really like it? Were you expecting it to maybe not be as good as a Lego movie? Is it as good as a Lego movie? That kind of stuff. Yeah, I actually, to be completely honest with you, I had lower expectations going into this. Uh, one, because it's a sequel. Two, because it didn't really involve Lord and Miller quite as much as the first one did. And then three, because honestly, the marketing just didn't sell me. I mean, some of the jokes that, and I'm definitely in the minority on this. A lot of people have been like really hyped for this for quite a while. And anything that comes across the, you know, the internet with Will Arnett's voice as Batman, like it cracks everybody up. But for me, there was something that just didn't quite land. And I will say that some of that did carry over into the movie itself, but far and away, this exceeded my expectations. Now, as for whether I think it's better than the Lego movie, I think I'd need to see it again, but right now I still think the Lego movie is superior on a lot of levels. They definitely, I feel like they have a better message, a little bit more heart, a better kind of tugging at the heartstrings. Whereas Lego Batman movie is, it's got a lot more kind of frenetic action and a lot, maybe not a lot more humor, but a different kind of humor, a different energy to that humor. I just didn't quite feel that emotional attachment quite as much, but perhaps on a second viewing that might change. So they're pretty close. How about you? I think I'm still sort of riding the high from seeing the film, especially with a theater full of both adults and children. There were lots of children right. in the movie who were eating it up. Um, going into it, I, I, I was really excited. I didn't, I, I'm one of those people who doesn't pay attention to trailers very much, or at least not outside of the movie theater. Sure. I, I try, I'll maybe watch the first teaser trailer or something, or if I need convincing to see a movie, I'll watch trailers. But this was one I was going to see no matter what. So I, I maybe saw one or two small, snippets here and there but other than that i was avoiding all the marketing because i knew i'd see it and <laughs> yeah. i i loved it i i think that like you i'd have to see it again maybe a couple more times to really compare it directly to the lego movie but it has all the same stuff here where it's full of fun it's full of action it's beautifully animated and it also has the heart that we like from the lego movie i don't know how the heart in this one compares to that one, but I would say that there was a moment or two in this movie where I did uh, get emotional a little bit. And I think that, that that's great. Yeah, I think for me, the emotional angle of it, well, it was interesting that we kind of watched them in opposite order. So you got to see Lego movie right before Lego Batman, and I kind of watched them in the opposite order. Now, I had originally seen the 2014 movie, you know, three years ago. 
but then watching it in reverse order closer together was like it, it was you could really see some differences in the animation over the last three years lego movie is a little bit more of a stop motion style even though it's all done with computer generated imagery whereas they kind of just go for the whole thing it's very it's a lot smoother in uh, lego batman movie they kind of get away from that um I don't want to say they get away from the brick aesthetic because that's clearly a major part of the Lego Batman movie and the Lego universe, but it's a little smoother. They don't make it quite as choppy as they, they do um, in the original one. Uh, so that's just one thing on the animation. And then the humor and just the energy and the pace and just the amount of stuff on the screen that is is vying for attention for your eyeballs. There's so much going on that it makes the Lego movie look relatively, just relatively slow in comparison. Right, you were telling me about that last night about how yeah. how slowly paced the Lego movie seems after seeing the Lego Batman movie, and I I agree. There, there's definitely parts in the Lego movie where it, it slows down a whole lot, especially once you get to the live action scenes. Um, right. And this one is just a lot more frenetic, the, to use the word you used. And speaking as to the the animation, you know, the Lego movie is entirely Legos when you're in the Lego world, from the clouds to the waves to 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 the smoke um this departs from that just a little bit mm-hmm. um there's clouds there's there's actual smoke there's actual fire explosions in a couple of points um so i wouldn't say that's a disappointment but it is different than the lego movie it doesn't entirely accept the full brick 100 percent uh animation style that the lego movie adopted which is it, it's just something to be aware of well let's just go ahead and talk about the story directly sure. um my screening, I think the sound was just a little bit off, um, not not off of the picture, but it was mixed poorly in some ways. Um, I, I had some trouble, especially initially understanding Batman. Oh, really? Some of that was because people were laughing over him, I think. But like at the very beginning, uh, which is a great, I want every movie to be <laughs> narrated by Batman now, where <laughs> you have the opening logos before the movie even starts. And he's talking about every great movie starts with a black screen. And then he talks about the logos, really long logos. <laughs> and uh, I, I thought that was funny, but partially because people were laughing over it and partially just because I guess I was maybe getting used to hearing his voice in that setting again. Right. Um, I was having a little bit of difficulty understanding him here and there, but I didn't notice it as much later in the film once I was more absorbed. And look, it's a great setup for the type of humor and the type of delivery and performances you're going to get throughout the next, you know, hour and a half of however long it is, because that's the first thing you hear is is Will Arnett's voice. And you know that it's Batman. And he's telling you exactly what kind of humor you're in for. And I, I, I don't know if I've ever... I can maybe think of just a handful of movies that have actually, like, broken that fourth wall and addressed you know, logos, things like that. Or I, I'm reminded of like a Bugs Bunny coming out of, of a logo on the big screen. And you're just not expecting that because that's not how it was done. So a very playful kind of energy. So that was a great introduction to this movie. Yeah, it's sort of an extreme version of Disney changing the Cinderella's castle in their opening yeah. logo to match what the film was like in Tron or something yeah. like that. And then uh, or maybe even like Pitch Perfect, the the Universal logo song being sung acapella instead of hearing the classic instrumental it's definitely the extreme version of that and i I loved it i thought it was great and he does the same thing at the end uh and (laughs) it it, it was a good way to introduce the humor now what i loved was the continuation of the same universe they are referred to as master builders again right and so batman there's even a moment in the film where he's needing in need of a new vehicle and so uh he pulls up his computer 
who he just calls Pewter, which is great. Right. And she gives a recommendation for what kind of vehicle would be ideal for the situation. And uh, then he, using the brick, the bricks around him in the surrounding environment, he builds that vehicle. And I, I love that it's a continuation of that idea. And it sort of confirms that this takes place in the same universe, even if we're not seeing the other worlds like we did in the Lego movie. Yeah, this one is definitely very hyper-focused within Gotham City and doesn't really go out of that whatsoever. So if you're worried that this is more Lego than Batman, don't be. It's it's a good balance, but it's at its heart, it is a Batman story. And honestly, I think that's one of the strongest parts of the story is how well they explore what it means to be Batman. The highs and the lows. The highs you kind of see all the time. You see him fighting crime and you see some adoration from the crowd. Maybe you don't see that quite as much in recent cinematic universe, but... In this in this world, he does have that adoration, he does have that popularity, but it's balanced with his home life, which is kind of depressing. It's very isolated, it's very lonely, and very depressing. And it was a great balance between those two levels of energy. Right. And even though it is a Batman movie, and this is all largely focused in Gotham, we do get those fun tie-ins from other LEGO franchises. Yes. And uh, more of what I was speaking to in our LEGO movie episode was the seemingly lego dimensions tie-in because if people don't know lego dimensions is a video game where you have this uh portal that plugs into your your video game system and you buy the different figurines from different franchises and you can put them into the game so i can have doc brown from back to the future riding around in the tardis from doctor who in the wizard of oz world like it's it's that kind of nonsense and that's sort of what we got in the lego movie and that's what we got a little bit here because we get introduced to wizard of oz that we have the wicked witch and the flying monkeys we have the daleks from doctor who we have sauron from lord of the rings and all of those are included in lego dimensions and so being an avid fan of that video game and of the lego uh franchise in the lego brand i thought it was great bringing other characters in and sort of substituting them for the classic villains that we get at the beginning and they're they're replaced uh later in the film so that we have some sort of fresh blood in a batman movie which i thought was great we still have joker as our main villain but then we get to uh have these other villains on at his side yeah that was a great way to fold in sort of the the dc comics mythology at that point because the way that these extra villains are kind of gathered up is a very interesting way to do that so there is a there's a bit of visiting other worlds here um but it was i was not expecting in a lego batman movie to see lego gremlins and lego agents from the matrix those are (laughs) those are two things that i did not expect to see but i'm i'm just super delighted that they actually showed up and they showed up in a way that made sense in the story and they weren't just one note they were they were jokes that kept coming back to that were consistently funny and that's just a sort of a template for how all these other additional characters kind of factored into the story. Right. And I should say that Gremlins is included in Lego Dimensions as well. That's part of the newest wave. Uh, So very cool that they seem to be sort of semi-tying in Lego Dimensions without just expressly saying it. Yeah. And speaking of the Gremlins, one of the moments that made me laugh the hardest was when they were attacking the Batplane. Yes. Or whatever you want to call it. And uh, it's a fun Twilight Zone reference there. Yeah, I was actually I'm surprised that they did not say there's something on the wing. I was amazed that they did not say the actual line, but they just <laughs> right. kind of left it there for people who were like, just a subtle wink and a subtle nod. And honestly, subtlety is not this film's strong point. There are probably a lot more Easter eggs than I could pick up on my first watch through. But for the most part, it feels like most of them are there. I don't want to say obvious, but they do make them very apparent. They do put them in front of you and say, do you recognize this? Cool. Now we're moving on to the next thing. So they don't 
it doesn't seem like they're trying to hide it from you or make it very subtle. It's it's pretty apparent the nods. And to sort of close off this section, sure. um, the animation just feel it feels the same as the the Lego movie. We we talked about the use of Legos themselves, but it, everything looks great. We get the same depth in the animation as far as color goes. Although this, of course, is a lot darker, but it's a Batman movie. It's supposed to be dark and it, it fits in very well. And it's yeah. just a, a great film to look at. Yeah, and if you remember in the Lego movie, he only works in black and sometimes dark gray. So right, those right. are the only blocks he can have. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about characters, specifically Batman, because he's definitely the character we have the most to say about, I think. How about you start us off? Sure. So like I said, this kind of is a Batman story, and it's one that we haven't really seen before. You are used to seeing a brooding Batman, a uh, a Bruce Wayne who's putting on a face that it's not his real face. His real face is the one that wears the mask, you know? So... This kind of flips that because he spends 99% of this movie in his Batman guise, but he's doing kind of mundane, ordinary things. Yes, he's fighting crime. Yes, he's uh, rapping and and throwing down some original tracks, (laughs) uh, which is great. And it's a lot of fun. But he's also coming home to an empty mansion, except for Alfred, who's somewhere to a, a giant bat cave that's completely devoid of friends, warmth, anything that's welcoming, anything, any anything at all that's like a home. You know, it's more of a, it's not much different from a cave. <laughs> I mean, it's got a lot right. of gadgets and cool tech in it, but it's not a warm, welcoming home. So you get to see this kind of, um, this conflict of the character of Batman. Like what would an actual person be like who had this obsession with fighting crime, but also has this unimaginable wealth. He's probably not going to have a whole lot of friends and close companions. And there's good reason for that. So what, what, what was your take on the Batman story and how they approached this? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I love that the issues explored in this movie with Batman, the character, come from the Lego movie. In the Lego movie, we get a Batman who's selfish and big-headed and overconfident and self-obsessed, and that continues here. But then we get the new element of him being afraid of having a family right. because he's afraid of losing that family just like he did. And we, we focus a lot on this family picture of him. And there's this early scene where he's just sort of staring at it and talking to his, his dad or both, both of his parents. And he talks about how uh, they would have been proud of what he did today. And then of course, Alfred walks up behind him and, Oh no, no, I wasn't talking to that picture. Oh, there's a picture there. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good picture. And uh, he, he sort of just, brushes it to the side but that's what's explored here and i I love that there's that new element to his character we don't really get to have we don't we don't deal much with a loner batman in the other films no and you also never get to see like a silly kind of childish batman at times he's so (laughs) selfish and self self obsessed that when anybody asks him to kind of like do anything he doesn't want to do he he kind of throws a tantrum right and because it's will arnett and because it's batman and because it's been so serious over the last 15 years you know why so serious it's it's fun and it's like a relief valve to be able to see him do that. The scene where he is like telling Alfred, no, he doesn't want to do a certain thing. And he's literally <laughs> just like flipping his body up the steps was right. probably one of the funniest moments of the entire movie for me. Just it nailed his immaturity level so well, but was also just hilarious to see that as a visual gag. So they, they do a really good job of uh, nailing him down as an immature child who's also a billionaire, who's also a crime fighter, <laughs> which is right. tough to do. Right. And what what I loved was he never sort of lost that. He's still overconfident at the end of the film, but his arc is that he learns to rely on others and to to put his faith in others. And he he gives everybody a signal because everybody can help. And 
the the family photos were sort of my connecting tissue with this film right because uh there there's that moment when they're they're going to Wayne Manor and Robin's with them and Alfred and uh Barbara Gordon mm-hmm. and they're all there and Robin says hey oh let's take a picture and it's my first family photo and as soon as he snaps a picture and we see it I immediately saw the parallel between that that picture and the picture that we saw in Wayne Manor of Bruce with his parents and that that's sort that's where it sort of grabbed me by the heart and I was like oh no that's so sad he, he he's he's realizing that he's he's forming this family again and he's afraid of it because he doesn't want to lose them especially in this moment where they're they're facing their deadliest foes yeah, and that's that's definitely at the heart of the message of this movie. Now, just for me on a personal note, it just didn't land quite as strongly as the one in the Lego movie did. I don't know if it was just because it was a dad and his son uh, versus, you know, a loner and finding a family unit. Both of those things I feel like are pretty universal. It's just one landed more for me than the other did. Now, that could have just been time and place for me. That could have just been the crowd. I have no idea. But just on like if i'm giving it heart points i would have to give the edge just to the lego movie but to your point still a great message and they handled it remarkably well and it was it was conveyed in such a way that yeah you could you could just see that and you could see the change within the character even though he does still retain some of his not so desirable qualities by the end of the movie right let's talk about robin now Um, oh yeah now from the very beginning like when this news the news that michael Sarah was going to be voicing robin uh i think I have a tweet somewhere proving this, but I've always been a fan of that casting. I'm not the biggest Michael Sarah fan, as in I haven't seen a whole lot of his films and sure. the ones I have seen, maybe he's not my favorite character, but it just seems like a perfect fit. And it really is a perfect fit. He he's so childlike and innocent in this movie and he he just plays that that wonder kind of character. Wow, look at everything that's happening around me and the the big wide eyes so well. Yeah, he's very much a golly gee whiz kind of version of of Robin, which is fantastic. It's something we haven't seen in a while since the old, you know, 60s TV show with the Burt Ward um, kind of thing where he's just like always following along in Batman's footsteps and willing to do whatever Batman says to do. And he has a fantastic wardrobe in this movie as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Michael Sarah did a fantastic job. He really brought an interesting energy to the character and it was just delightful and fun and super positive throughout the entire movie, even when things weren't exactly going his way. Right. I, I'm i not overly familiar with Batman mythology and with the way things worked out in the comics and stuff like that. But I really like that Robin was sort of the adoptive son of Batman here, uh, rather than like just a co-worker or um, something like that. And so it, it added that new dynamic of Batman not only having to or wanting to find somebody to be romantically involved with in the case of Barbara Gordon, right. um, but to be responsible for somebody as a father figure. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that they do kind of fill in that the spots of the family unit. So, you know, Alfred's always kind of been there, but there's still this kind of cold distance between the two of them. And now you've got Robin as the adoptive son who he kind of adopts himself in a way. Uh, It's really funny the way that the uh, quote unquote adoption came to pass. Uh, They, they play that out really well in a scene that highlights not only Batman's kind of, uh, selfishness and distraction with mm-hmm. seeing Barbara Gordon across the way. But also they kind of play around with the uh, the mythology a little bit there too, where he used to be his ward and that kind of has changed over the decades uh, in the comic book. So it was a, a really fun moment, but it also just added a lot of, a little bit of silliness to the movie too. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how they poked fun at the traditional Robin costume and the, yes. like the short shorts and all that kind of stuff. Yes. 
it fit in very well. Now, um, what about the Joker? Because they, they put a weird twist on the Joker relationship here, like in The Killing Joke and in The Dark Knight. There's this idea of Batman and the Joker being locked in this endless war between each other. And it's sort of their destiny to always fight or one person to kill the other. And they put this twist on it here where the it, it's almost like a, a relationship. <laughs> and yeah, the Joker the Joker talks about how I, I am your greatest enemy and the, we give meaning to each other's life and stuff like that. I, I thought that was a great way to put the character into this movie. Yeah, and honestly, it was Zach Galifianakis. I think did a, a good job with it. You could kind of, you could kind of pick up on his voice. So it wasn't very Joker quality to me. It was just kind of jokey Zach Galifianakis, which isn't a knock. It's just kind right. of a just an observation. But I really did like the fact that they went with not just a straight up supervillain who's trying to destroy the world or to rob banks or to kill everybody he sees. He's got this obsession with batman that borders on um it's kind of a platonic love because they need each other as this this yin and yang this positive and negative force this chaos and order but they really play it up to like 11 um in this movie and and normally like a villain of that caliber is going to have a crazy scheme this one is one of the better ones i think that jokers kind of come up with believe it or not He, he recruits a ton of different villains uh, to help with his scheme in a way that is very unconventional. And we probably did not see it coming, but I was pretty delighted by it. Yeah, and speaking to the voice, um, I definitely sort of missed Mark Hamill and yes. his his interpretation, but I don't know entirely how well his Joker would have fit in to the way he was written in this movie. It, maybe it would have worked, or maybe he would have made it work. Um, but Z- Zach Galifianakis definitely isn't my favorite Joker voice, but I think he fit the Joker that we got, if that makes sense. No, it definitely does. I was thinking as soon as you said Mark Hamill, like obviously I go to the animated series for that, but yeah, that that voice and that character that he's crafted probably wouldn't work for this movie. So, I mean, I think Galifianakis nails the character that he's he's trying to do in this movie. And it worked really well. Yeah, because Mark or Mark Hamill's Joker voice has, especially in recent years, been used for the very dark Batman Arkham yes. video games, and so that that's the one that kids are more familiar with nowadays, I think. And it it does have that scary element to it, and I I like that they toned that down just a little bit for this family friendly movie. Yeah, it's definitely got an edge and a menace to it, whereas Galifianakis is just kind of kind of goofy and and kind of more of the prankster and. It's not that he's not threatening. His visage is very uh, intimidating. He's got very like pointy teeth and he's just got like a very uh, the contrast of his makeup and his hair and his face is, is very unsettling. But his voice is just kind of goofy and it, it works really well with the character. Yeah. And I think uh, to, to sort of finish the Joker off um, that scene at the beginning, uh, the very first fight scene where Batman's about to capture him and he, the Joker is trying to convince Batman that I am I am your greatest enemy, and he how heartbroken he gets when Batman just denies it and tries to diminish his importance in his life. It it it's a weird moment where you really sort of feel bad for the Joker because right. the Batman is being so uh, selfish and standoffish to the Joker's quote unquote feelings. Yeah, he's basically saying like I don't even know who you are. Like I don't know why. Right. Like I'm just doing my job. I don't know who you are. Okay, I'm gonna go stop this thing from exploding now. And it's just the Joker <laughs> puts all his energy and effort into trying to beat the Batman, or at least give him a, a great challenge. And to to be not even acknowledged by who's supposed to be your greatest nemesis is like yeah, it is actually kind of heartbreaking, kind of sad <laughs> for the Joker. Yeah. Uh, were there any other characters you wanted to linger on? 
man, not to linger, but just the, the justice league cameos, uh, yeah. was a great kind of scene. It's a nice callback to the Lego movie because we do have, uh, Tatum and Hill, as you mentioned earlier, they do mm-hmm. kind of reprise their roles here. Things are a little different, though. There's not quite of that that awkward friendship between Superman and Green Lantern. It's more of like the Justice League as a whole gets together in parties, but they kind of forget to invite Batman. So it's more of a separation between Batman and this other group of superheroes who are super people doing the same thing he is, but they also have a functioning social life and they can actually form these, uh, these, these pair bonds and these units uh, with friends and family. And he simply can't do that at the beginning of the movie. We, we still get a little bit of that, that Superman green lantern, a little bit of the awkwardness, I should say, yeah. uh, because he does say, yeah, Superman doesn't respond to my emails ever. Okay, I missed that one, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. yeah. Uh, but aside from that, it largely is the Justice League versus Batman, and it shows again how separated Batman has made himself from everybody else. He he's yep. not somebody that they want around because he he thinks so much of himself and puts so little faith in others. I think I'd be remiss too if I didn't mention Bane because Bane has shown up in <laughs> a lot of different iterations. But the fact that they chose to use kind of like the, the bigger Bane, but give him Tom Hardy's voice from Dark right, Knight right. Rises was <laughs> amazing. I was losing it every time. Uh, right. And spoke. there was there was one particular quote. I think he said, we're going to be the Joker's reckoning or yes, something like that. Yes. I think that was the quote. But it was uh, amazing. Yeah. Very, very good throwback. Um, and just a couple other characters I wanted to just mention. Sure. Um, Alfred getting the chance to wear a bat costume. Yes. And in the 60s bat costume, no less, uh, with the purple cape and all that. That was great. And I love that he was put in the spotlight as sort of a lead character. Yeah. And with like the eyebrows on it, too. That always cracked right. me up. <laughs> and then um, our supporting villains um, having Harley back and mm-hmm. Voldemort, even, and Sauron. Yeah. That That's so great that these classic villains were able to come in and be a another formidable foe for Batman. Yeah, which is just, it's just crazy. But I mean, it speaks to the point that you're talking about the Lego Dimensions thing. It is, you have to throw all these things at Batman if you're going to stop this Batman, especially this particular Batman, because his opening sequence, he just demolishes everybody and he's not breaking a sweat. So like, you <laughs> no. really need to throw everything in the catalog at him in order to even kind of make a dent. And it still doesn't work. So he's just that good. Singing his own theme song as yes. he goes. and. I downloaded the soundtrack and we're about to talk about music just a cool. little bit. I downloaded the soundtrack today and that's the very first track on there. And I was just sitting there cracking up, remembering the movie and laughing at the lyrics themselves because it's it's just a funny way to start the film and introduce a character. Well, let's just go ahead and mention the music. So a lot of it's the same as what we get in... Well, it's a mix between the sort of classic Batman sound and music that we get. We get a lot of more orchestral stuff in this one than we do in the Lego movie specifically. But we do have those elements come forth as well where we have a little bit more of the electronic and the the high energy kind of stuff that we get from Mark Mothersbaugh's score. Um, Lauren Balfe, I think, does a great job here. And uh, yeah, did you have anything to say about the music? I mean, really, it was just what you just mentioned, the kind of the opening scene that like a ton of energy, really fast paced, crazy to hear Will Arnett as Batman singing his own kind of battle rap that he put together (laughs) while he's fighting. That was really the only thing that made a a powerful moment and memory for me. I I can't really think of any other cues or any other moments throughout that kind of uh, resonated with me. But again, that was from a one time screening and from a first watch. So I would like to go back and revisit it because, as you mentioned, you actually kind of opened my eyes to the broader score of the Lego movie. So I'd like to see if that carries over for Lego Batman. 
the score by itself is very listenable. Looking back at the movie, I don't remember a whole lot of the score in context, aside from thinking that this is working really well. Sure. Um, So I I would actually defer to a previous guest I've had on Cinescope, Eric Woods, everybody. Remember, he was on the Raiders of the Lost Ark episode. Um, He has his show, Cinematic Sound Radio, and his most recent episode features music from the Lego Batman movie. If you don't want to put forth the money just yet, you can go listen to that and you'll hear a sizable chunk of Lauren Balfe's score and uh, check it out that way. So I will put that link in the show notes. Now, we only saw this movie this weekend in the past few days. And so we don't have, we haven't been able to dive in super, super deep and we're not going to in this episode, but there are a couple of uh, definite takeaways that I think we can talk about. So the first one being a sort of continuing theme from the Lego movie of uh, working alone versus working with others. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's one of the main things here because they do establish Batman as a loner is very different from Emmett as a loner in the Lego right. movie. Batman is like hyper confident, can do anything, knows he can do anything and is a master builder. And he was in the first movie. He continues to be in the second one. Whereas, as we talked about in our previous episode, Emmett was just kind of a happy to go along with what everybody else was doing, didn't, you know, follow the instructions. And that was how he was happy to be. But yeah, the the great message that you can be a loner at some times and, and take charge and things. And sometimes it's better to work as a team. But another way he evolves in this movie is he goes from initially wanting to work alone just because he's overconfident and knows that he can do it himself, or at least believes he can do it himself in most circumstances, to wanting to work alone because of wanting to keep those he loves safe. Exactly. So we get this moment in the uh, later part of the film where he locks Alfred, Barbara, and Robin in the, the, the scuttler and sends it off to keep them safe and uh, presumably so he can hopefully accomplish this by himself, which, hey, he can't. So th- there was that contrast between him wanting to be a loner for different reasons at different parts of the film. Yeah, and that's gr- just a great like heroic moment. That's just like a classic way, you know, the self-sacrificing hero. Uh, they don't want anybody else to get hurt. They don't want anybody else to get dragged down by their actions. So they separate themselves. And it's a tough kind of severing of that that family bond. But in their mind, they're doing it for the best interests of everybody at hand. So that's that heroic moment and a great separation from where he is earlier in the movie. Right. And that sort of ties in with my other point that I wanted to make was uh, finding those who you want to keep safe. Sure. And maybe even the idea of putting work a little bit lower in your priority list so that you have room for other things and for other people. And uh, I I thought that was a a great message they tackle here as well. Yeah, they, they really do nail it kind of across the board. I mean, for me, probably the thing that hit home the most was just because I'm a a comics nerd and and definitely a, a big bat fan just the exploration of another angle of Batman's character. I mean, this guy has been since what 1939 has been kind of pulled apart from every conceivable angle, every psychological profile you could possibly give him. He's been analyzed and overanalyzed and run through the bat computer and everything. And this, this was a new and refreshing take on a character that's been around for 70 plus years, almost 80 years. So that was the thing that really hit home for me. The rest of it were nice messages and maybe on a second viewing, they'll, they'll hit a little deeper. But for me, it was just a, a great movie to go watch as a Batman fan. And I guess that can sort of tie into our final thoughts. For me, I, I loved it. I, I, again, can't really truly compare it to the Lego movie until I get another viewing or two or sure. three under my belt. But it's a great movie. It's a funny movie. It looks good. It's a fun exploration of Batman and continuing the character that we were introduced to in the Lego movie. And I would say I'm already excited to watch it more because I liked it so much the first time. 
Yeah, definitely. I honestly just want to go back to catch all the Easter eggs. I mean, for fans of the DC comics, for Batman, for the current uh, Mar- or, excuse me, DC Extended Universe, mm-hmm. there are so many nods and homages and just like still like screenshots and stuff. They go back to the previous live action Batman movies in a quick montage. They go back to the previous Batman uh, animated series from Batman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond, kind of everything in between. And they're just these super quick like half half frame moments that you really have to pay attention to get but there are so many nods throughout this entire movie that is just like a love letter to the entire mythology of batman that it is worth repeated viewings just to go and say like okay check that one off the list because there are that many of them right and i i want to shout out real quick to the the marvel reference they make as well the whole iron man sucks thing which i thought was hilarious both times they said it yeah, and they, they take shots at Marvel, but they take shots at their own stuff, too. There's a right, part right. where they say, like, oh, sending criminals to fight criminals. That's a stupid idea. And it's like, <laughs> okay, we, we get it, guys. We get it. Self-referential yeah. humor is one of the best. Agreed. And the the shot at Iron Man was particularly funny because he's sort of Marvel's version of Batman. Yeah. Uh, this, this rich, standoffish guy who uses his money to be a superhero. So, yeah. Anyways. I think that is the end of the fourth bonus episode of Cinescope. Thanks again for joining me, Dave. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's been a, it's been a real blast talking about these movies. It has. Uh, now, contact for the show, facebook.com slash Cinescope Podcast and at Cinescope Pod on Twitter. Please remember to rate and review on iTunes if you want to help us out. And if you have feedback or ideas, email at Podcast at gmail.com. If you're interested in co-hosting, have a movie that you love that you want to talk about, let me know and we'll squeeze you in. And just a reminder one more time to check out episode 28 where we just talked about the Lego movie. If you want to hear our thoughts sort of leading into the Lego Batman movie, that episode will be available by this point as well. Now, Dave, where can people find you online? Yeah, the best place to find me is on Twitter at DrClawMD. You can also find me on Collider.com, Nerdist.com, and SaturdayMorningCartoons.com. Just remember, that's morning with a U. You can also find us on Twitter at MorningTunes. Definitely go check out Dave's stuff. I've been talking to him for a little while. I love talking video games and movies and whatever it is that comes up with you and uh, looking forward to having you on the show again sometime in the future, I'm sure. Yeah, always a pleasure. The best place to find me is on Twitter at Chadadada, that is C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A, and on Facebook.com slash Chad.Hopkins. And all the show notes, all the contact information can be found at TheCinescopePodcast.com. And that's all for this week. Thanks again, Dave. Having you on the show has been awesome. Thanks again for inviting me. And thank you, everyone, for listening to our fourth bonus episode. I'm Chad Hopkins. This was Cinescope, and we'll be back next week with episode 29. Have fun and celebrate movies. Mm-hmm.